You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so what an amazing song for 2022. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. I thought all this would be over by now. Amen? I mean, y'all, y'all remember back when we canceled services for the first time in 2020 in uh, March, you know? We're just going to lay out to church, you know, two or three weeks, do it online or whatever, you know, and we'll be back. We were actually, I mean, at least I was. I know staff was too, but I, really I was. I was planning that relaunch of that day back, <laughs> you know. We still ain't got it, you know, because it's kind of like we just kind of got to stutter into it just a little bit and get there and... And, man, we still had some other shutdowns, and uh, we've, we've uh, actually got some church members that tested positive the last couple of days. They're not with us today. So it's like, man. And then we were singing that song, and I thought, wow, what a song for today. But you have never failed me yet. Oh, the walls that might, might not have fallen. COVID may still be a wall out there. You know, and the night, the night that is COVID, it may still be out there. But God has promised, so it's been said three times by three different people in this service already about this, about, and, and, and think about this, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to never be a Debbie Downer. You ask people around me if you don't know me, right? I try, I, I, I am just not the negative guy. But, you know, I was really hoping 2022 is going to be different. The first thing I do is I wake up to texts about people being sick. You know, it's like, here we go again, right? You know, and, I, now, and if I'm the positive guy, I'm wondering, what is everybody else dealing with when they see this? But you know what? The world, the world doesn't need a church who, need, who knows how to be on top of it only when everything's going well. But the world needs a church that knows how to connect with God and knows how to have faith in him and knows how to glorify and worship him even when life isn't going well. That's what they need to see. And that's, this is our opportunity. I, I, I know we make plans. I, I know we make resolutions. I know we, we tweak our, budget, our, our bucket list at the, at the beginning of the year and our budgets as well. That's what I almost said, so we'll go ahead and throw that one in there, right? We tweak all that first of the year, you know, and, uh, and, and that's, those things are important. But the problem is, I think a lot of times, is that we start making all these plans without thinking about it. Like, come on, think about it. Two years ago, 2020, you know, plans that we made in January of 2020, and then in March, you know, everything's out the window. You know, I, I don't even know what our, our, uh, our church theme was for that year anymore. You know, I don't even know what it was. Because, I mean, that was gone. I mean, you know, just, just forget that. Wipe it clean. we got to figure something out. And we're just going week to week to week, figuring out, you know, when we're going to be able to get back together, when we're going to be able to do this. Oh, let's launch small groups again and pull it back. Can't do that yet. And all this and on and on and on. Let me give you some scripture, okay? Right here. And um, uh, thank, thank you for uh, the, the, carefully choose your plans. How about back up to that, that, uh, that you were helping me not skip. Does anything need to change, okay? The changes we need won't happen by themselves, okay? So I'm going to answer for all of us right here and say, yes, there's some things that need to change. But that's not enough, is it? 
Don't you need to answer that question about your own life? Is there anything that needs to change in 2020? I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about uh, any elections that are coming up. Is there anything in your life that needs to change? Okay, so let's be careful how we do this. Let me give you a couple of scriptures right here before we really launch into this. Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, <laughs> what that means is, what, what it sounds like it means is that we can make all these plans like 2020, but God knows what's really going to happen. He just kind of snickered. Yeah, you just think, that's not what this is saying, okay? God's not sitting up in heaven snickering at us like we're making these plans or anything. But what he's saying is, he knows what's really going to happen. And so when you're making your plans, if we're making our plans without considering God, you know, a lot of times we're wasting our time because uh, we're making plans based on what? The past. And we're not really making plans on the future, based on the future because we don't know the future, but we know someone who does. That's why when we make our plans, we need to make sure that we're not leaving God out of our plans, our resolutions, our bucket lists, and all of those things. Because if you're doing that, you're, you're probably wasting your time on a bunch of those things because you have no idea what's going to happen this year. You know, now, in, in, the, in the New Testament, the book of James, this, this, this thought right here is kind of elaborated on a little deeper. And, uh, you know, where, where it, it, it says, you know, and you make these plans about tomorrow and you don't know what tomorrow is. And really, that's, it's kind of pretentious for you to do that, for you to say, well, I'm going to do this when you don't know what tomorrow looks like. That's kind of pretentious. That's a little arrogant. That's what Scripture actually says. And you know how it wraps it up? When it's talking about this very same thing, it says, it's when you make your plans about tomorrow, you don't even know what tomorrow holds, and you're just being pretentious and arrogant and prideful. You know, you're just making your own plans. You know how it wraps up? It wraps up right here, James 4, 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Now, wait, now we've heard that, right? We've heard that, that it's a sin to know what to do and not do it. Uh, to him who knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I think that's the way the old King James translated the Greek there him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. But yes, that, I know we kind of think of it like, well, you know, you need to smile, you need to be good, you need to be kind, you need to, you need to give a good tip, you need to do those kinds of things. Yes, it's talking about that, but man, how many times do we quote scriptures out of context? Here is the context, is that when you're making plans, you don't know what tomorrow is like, but there is someone who does know what tomorrow is. And so to make those plans, you're just being arrogant. You're putting yourself in the place of God. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What do we know to do? We know that we need to make our plans based on what he can share with us, what he knows. We know that we need to go with him with all, with all of the plans and the resolutions and bucket lists and, and budgets. You know, we need, to be, we need to be looking to him. And then when we know what it is that we need to do, then we need to do it. When we've got a plan for this year, then we need to do it. So, so, so that next slide, make a decision, set some goals, and then fully depend on God's help to make them, to, to keep them, to make them come to pass. Make a decision, set some goals, yes, but do it with the direction of God because he's the one that knows what tomorrow is all about. Do it with his direction and then fully depend on him to help you make it happen. So, you know, um, I, re I really, I, I had another sermon that I'm working on for the, the kickoff of this year. And I've moved it over to the next week. 
because I just got to feeling like, one, we're going to have a lot of people still out of town. We're going to have some people still sick. And so I wanted to put it off. And so, so, I, said, so I, I had to have another sermon for this week. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I, don't mean this, I, don't, you know, I don't mean this to be kind of a, in an ugly way or, or, so, or, or to sound, sound bad to you. It might sound bad to you, but sometimes I've heard people call these throwaway sermons. <laughs> you know, they're not part of a series. Just kind of throw it, stick it in there, you know, and people remember parts of it. Some of it will be good and whatever, but it's just kind of a throwaway. I, I, don't, I don't want a throwaway sermon. And so I went to God and said, God, what, what, what do we need to talk about today? And, uh, and, and, and here's, here's where I came to, okay? It's three resolutions that Christians need to make every single year. These are not three resolutions for 2022. But these are the Christian resolutions that we need as a Christian, as Christ followers, we need to be making every single year. Why does this matter? Because I hear you struggle with life and I just sometimes just want to say, but don't you remember I got, I got a favorite comic strip, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know if y'all know Calvin and Hobbes or not. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Yep, there you go. I, I love Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, I'm going to be sensitive because I know some of y'all don't like hearing the word but in the service. Oh, I just said it. Um, but there's this one where he's got this, uh, he's got this stand, kind of like a lemonade stand. Y'all, y'all know what that's like, right? And he, but instead of selling lemonade, the sign on the front said, says swift kick in the rear end. I'd say I didn't say that B word. Swift kick in the rear end, $1. And so Hobbs walks up and he says, how's business? And he says, horrible. I don't get it because everyone I know needs what I'm selling. (laughs) Right? Now, I don't see my job as pastor to give you a swift kick anywhere on a regular basis every once in a while maybe we all need it right I don't see that as my job so it's not it's not that part but it's the other part is the frustration of knowing that everyone I know every member of my church family is struggling so much with so many things in their life and what they need they're hearing every single Sunday it's right here and it's like I don't understand. What is business? How's business? It's not good. And I don't understand because everyone I know needs what's being presented to them every single Sunday. That, that's why this is important. Is I, this is what I want to happen differently in 2022 for you. Here, these three resolutions, okay? Here they are. The first one is get closer to God. Okay, now if you were thinking, I thought we we're going to have something really, really big here, Pastor. I kind of knew that one. Yeah. But knowing it doesn't make it happen. Knowing we ought to do it doesn't make it happen. We need to be closer to God. But just saying we need to be closer to God on January the 2nd is not going to make us closer to God by December the 31st. Something has to change. Somebody's got to do something different. You know, and here's the thing. A lot of us say we like change. A lot of people. How many of you would normally would say, I like change? Raise your hand. Who likes change? Wow, shoo. Some of y'all are lying because I know some of y'all say that. Maybe 2020 really took it out of you, right? 
But you know what? In reality, we like change when it happens out here. We don't like to change, but we like change. We want things to be better. We like better. Let me ask you this. How many of you all say, I like better? Like better? Okay. We love better, but we don't want change. But you don't get better without change. There has to be some things change. So just saying, I know I need to be close to God. Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why. Here's a great one right here. Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there. Not sitting in front of a TV watching all those football games I've watched this week. And you can ask David how many I've watched. But yeah, I've watched a bunch of them, right? Not sitting, that's not where. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, at the throne of our gracious God is where we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Where do we find it? At the throne of God. We don't find it in all the other places. I mean, we give God an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning and act like, man, God, you know, we've invested a lot today. We've invested a lot this week. But it's not, it's not in all that, other, all that other stuff that takes up all of our time and leaves us one hour and 15 minutes for God. None of those things are going to bring us the mercy and the grace to help us when we're in our time of need. The only place that we can find it is at the throne room. That's why I beat my head against the wall, I feel like, Every Sunday, asking those of you who have already told me you've got needs and problems, please come and let a prayer team member pray with you. Yeah, I'm going to hit that this morning really good and hard, okay? That's why these prayer team members stand over in the corner in the dark by themselves, waiting all alone, week after week after week. Because this is the only place you're going to find the mercy and the grace to help you in your time of need. So the next time, and, and, and that next time is today, right now, for many of you. The next time you find yourself in need, don't just tell your friend. Don't wait till after the service and tell your pastor about it. You know, because, okay, I'm one guy, but I got... 20, 30, 40 people that want to talk to me before I get out the door. I mean, we're not, going to have, we're not going to go very far to the throne, you know, at that moment. Don't wait for that moment, but take advantage of this moment. I mean, what better place or, or what better way, what better plan to get close to the throne room of God than going and spending a few moments with someone who has already been in the throne room of God several times this week? Think about it. They've been praying for this moment. And so, yeah, that's why I push and, and I bang my head up against the wall and say, you've got to do this. When you've got needs, you've got to pray. You've got to go. And this is, this is one of the reasons that we need to be closer to God and we have this opportunity every single week. Because, listen, sitting here in the middle of God's presence is not the same as getting close to God. They're, they're different. You, you, you can walk through his presence every day without getting closer to him. Take advantage of these moments of prayer. Take advantage of these moments of worship. Take advantage of these moments of where, where the word is being spoken. Not my word, but hopefully I'm praying all the time. His word. Take advantage of those moments. L let, me, let, me, let me give you another scripture right here. A few scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Why do we need to get closer to God? There it is. 
Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. We will share a meal together as friends. He said, I'm I'm trying, guys. You know, hey, I'm trying. I I, want to get in. I want to be closer to you. All you got to do is open the door. He said, I'll come in. Man, we'll have dinner. We'll, have, we'll, be, we'll be like close friends if you just give me the time. In Acts 3, 19, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Why, why do we need to get closer? Because of, look at all this promise that is right here. Awesome promises that we have. Okay, but how are we going to do this? I've got, I got to hurry. I've spent a lot of time already in this very first one. James 4, 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. You've heard that one, right? A lot of you have heard that one, resist the devil. And we just, we just throw it out there like, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Right? We take it out of context. Put it all in the context. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come close to God. It's the very next phrase. Resist the devil and come close. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you and come close to God. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen to what all of that is saying. What that is saying is it's not enough to just say, just to, just to distance yourself a little bit. You've got also, it's both of it. God is way over, way over here. Just imagine, God is way over here, and, and, and every evil is way over there. And, and it's like, you know, we, we still, and you know, and I've heard this kind of preached a lot, but I'm not just talking about being in sin, but I'm talking about just kind of hanging on just a little bit to some things that are comfortable to us, some things that, that make sense to us, some things that maybe are, are like our, you know, our Linus blankets. You know, Charlie Brown, you know, Linus got that little blanket, you know, and everything. It's just, you know, just our, our warm fuzzy, and we, we want to, hey. But the problem is God is way over there. God is so far away from this that, that Jesus says about one particular evil. He says, he says you're going to either, you're going to love one and despise the other, or love this one and despise. You cannot Hang on to both because they are so diametrically opposed to one another. The only way to get close to God is to first, first make up your mind to set yourself away from those things that you know are in opposition to his will and his plan and the good stuff that he wants to put into your life. And then you can come close to God and he will come close to you. In 1 Corinthians, First uh, Chronicles chapter, Second uh, Chronicles 7, 14. I'll get it right in a few minutes. Give me just a little bit of time. Okay, Second Chronicles 7, 14. Is some of the how and the why all mixed together. I mean, you here, you get, the, you get the how and then you get the why at the end. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for the wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will restore their land. Awesome why there at the end of all the things God said he would do. If what? If we just turn to him again. If we just turn away from all of that and turn to this and we, just, and, and we, and we get as close to him as we possibly can. Let me give you some practical steps on getting close to God, okay? And this is the long one, okay, so the next two won't be quite so long. Getting close to God, practical steps, read the Bible daily. Now, I I said this a couple of times in the past few months. Let me say it one more time because I want you to get this. Read the Bible daily. That doesn't mean you've got to read the Bible for two hours a day. I know some of you who read the Bible a lot, you're going to think, you're thinking, I, I, I'm cheapening this, but no, I'm just trying to help people read the Bible a little bit and get started in this. Here, here's what I want you to do. Read the Bible until something clicks. When something clicks, put the Bible down. You know, one of the great things, way that, one of the great ways this becomes a great plan for your life is if you read the Bible early in the morning and then something clicks, you say, wow, I think God was telling me something there. Or that really, that really ministers to me. Is if you do it early in the morning, then you can think about that one thought all the rest of the day. That's why I say don't read past that. When something clicks, when God says, that's a promise for you, that's a challenge 
for you. That's something I want you to dig into or that you just read until it clicks and then move on. Secondly, pray three times a day. That sounds, what, three times a day, Pastor? How are you praying one right now? Right, let me tell you, real easy. I said this also a couple of times in the last few months. First thing in the morning when you wake up, set your alarm clock one, one minute earlier. If you get up at 6.30, set it for 6.29 tonight. If you've got to get up at 6.30 normally, set it six, And then when you see that, why did it go off a, a minute earlier? You'll remember, I'm going to talk to God. Even if you just talk to him that one minute. If you want two minutes, set it for 628, okay? Don't set it for 625, you might forget that. But put it on that, one of those weird ones, you know, 627, 628 or something. Get your attention and remind you. And just talk to God, even if you only do it for a minute. And start your day. At the end of the day, the same thing. When you turn off the last light that you turn off, let it be a reminder. I need to talk to God just before I go to sleep tonight. And then find some time the rest of the day to, for you find a time that you just talk to God. All right, and then lastly, give fasting a try this year. You know this thing about letting go so we can approach God and get closer to him and get closer to him. A lot of times, the stuff in our life that we don't realize is really standing between us and getting over there to God, we discover when we fast. When we put aside food, you know, we discover things. It's like we, we, we strengthen ourselves. But when we set aside things like entertainment, uh, TV shows or songs or movies or, or video games, and we put aside those things for a day or a week or a month or whatever, then we realize how much, how much those things, maybe, just, maybe it's just the time factor, but maybe it's the influence factor about some of the media that we engage in that is keeping us from getting close to God like we need to be. That's why I encourage you, give fasting a try this year. Okay, so that's the first one. These next two are a little quicker. Okay, here's the second one. Get closer to other Christians. You say, now this is one, okay, we think we need to be close to God, but we don't see the real reason to be closer to the Christians. This is real wordy, okay? A lot of verbiage here, right? But, but we'll, we'll, we'll review it in just a second, okay? Let's read it. According to Gallup's November 2020 Health and Health Care Survey, the only demographic subgroup with an increase in the number of those who state their mental health is excellent were those who attend religious services weekly. Okay, note the date. Note the date. What happened in 2020? Okay, and just a few months into that now, they, did, they redid the survey they did the year before COVID hit. And they asked people, what's your, what's your mental health like? Now, that, that, is not a, that is not like a scientific thing of, of the doctor says you, don't, you have good or great mental health. But it's like, how do you feel about it? Well, you know what? If you don't feel real good about your mental health, it, it's probably struggling some, right? If you don't think it's excellent. Okay, so here, here's what these numbers really mean. It's when they did this from 2019 to 2022. Uh, I'm sorry, 2019 to 2020. When, when they did this survey... And if you break it down in any other subcategory, in, in, in any other one, uh, if you break it down by age, every age category, there were fewer people who said their, their mental health is excellent than there were the year before. By, uh, by politics, Democrats, Republicans, independents, all of them had a de decrease in their uh, mental health. There was a decrease in the number of people who said, my mental health is excellent. Uh, race, gender, income, uh, all of those things. The only way you can find a subgroup that reports more people having excellent, saying I have excellent mental health than they had the year before COVID hit is that group there, people who attend religious services 
weekly. And if you drop to almost weekly, if you, you go from weekly to almost weekly, then that number drops 16%. That, that right there tells you how important it is for us to be together. And it's not, it's not, the, it's not the us being together like, like, okay, just necessarily just being here. Sometimes part of it is because of the, of the conscious decision that you have made to be together. So make that decision today. Because that's, that's, that is the difference in these people and everybody else that took the survey. Nobody else feels like they're more mentally healthy than, than, than people who attend religious services weekly because they have a different attitude about this gathering, about coming together to church and small groups and those kinds. So make, make that determination right now today. And I think I've got, if I've got a scripture there, yeah, I've got several scriptures. <laughs> Let me do this as quick as I can. Matthew 18, 20. Jesus promises where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Why do we need to be together? Because when we are together, when you're together with me, you're together with Christ. When I'm together with you, I'm together with Christ. That's why we need this. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. When we're together, we're encouraging I mean, there, there are a few sticking the muds around, yeah, you, you know, and, and if you just watch, you'll see people want, kind of, we'll go around them just a little bit, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, normally, you know, if you find one of those, you try to encourage them that day, and some of them just refuse to be encouraged, you know, and so you, you just go on, but for the most part, we're encouraging to one another. That's why we need to be together. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Why do we need to be together? For safety, for protection, for, for, for strength, for security, and all those things, and all those things. We have all this. this. These are the reasons why we need to be together. How are we going to do it? Okay, so here's the how. Some practical how, practical steps. Attend worship weekly. Make up your mind right now today. January 2nd, I don't know what your attendance record was like last year. Make up your mind today. Things need to change. Something, and it's not going to change because I say it needs to change. Here's one of the things, that, and we've already talked about so many whys, so I'm not going to say any more about that. Attend worship weekly. Attend a grow group. They're going to be kicking off at the end of this month, hopefully, okay? You know, we cross our fingers and pray God and hope, you know, but this, that's the plan. God willing, according to that scripture, we kind of skipped over there in James. God willing, that's where we're going tomorrow, right? Connect for fellowship. You need fellowship. You spend so much time around non-Christians all week long, most of you. You need time with Christians and excel in hospitality. I, 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 I've gone longer than I, I want to in these first two points, but I've got to share this story with you. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is 2 Kings. Let's read one verse right here. 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verse 8. This, this sets up the story. It might help me make it, share it real quick. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Now, I know you look at that and say, I know a pastor like that. I know a preacher like that. He knows where he can get a good meal, and every time he's stopping by, he's going to stop in at my house. I, I, I know preachers like that, right? That's the way you could think of it. But here's the way the story goes. He keeps stopping there to eat, and finally one day this woman says to her husband, this is a man of God. I mean, this is a guy that he is speaking the words of God. They're coming out of his mouth. 
This is a man of God. This is a man of God that, uh, that he's, he's calling miracles into, into being. She said, I just think, let's, let's make a room for him so he doesn't just have a place to eat. He's got a place that he can stay. And so they build this room, and they think they're building a room for Elisha and his servant. They don't realize they're building that room for themselves because the very desire of her heart, what she has wanted, and it has is, it is escaped her, it has eluded her, eluded her over and over and over, year after year after year, something that, a, a dream that she had given up on. She gets the promise in that room from God through Elisha. She gets the promise in that room that they built for him. She gets the promise that that miracle's coming. And a year later, the next year, that miracle is there. That's not the end of the story. The miracle is destroyed. The miracle is taken from her. She loses that miracle. And she goes to get the man of God. And she brings him back to that room. And guess what? The miracle is restored in that room. She built, go ahead, bring me that. She built, she made a room for people of God to be in her life and received her miracle twice. That's why we need to be together. Practice hospitality. If you think that's just a little one, go, go look at the sermon notes. I've given you a list of verses that encourage us to practice, not practice, excel in hospitality. We need to excel in hospitality. So what's the third thing? What's the third? Uh, getting close to God, getting close to each other. What else do we need to do this year? I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of 2022, if the Lord tarries and he allows me to live the rest of this year, I want to know that I have made a difference. Me being alive in 2022 has made a difference in some way. I want to know I've made a difference. And as Christians, that's why we're here. Listen, if number one and number two were the, those two, if they were the only reasons, the things that we needed, we'd get those a lot better if God would just end this stuff here on earth, take us on to be with him in eternity because we'd get close to him, we'd get close to one another. We wouldn't have all this junk down here to worry with, right? But he left us here, why? Because of that, to make a difference. Let, let's read. You don't, I, I, you don't need to know why. Let me tell you how. 1 Peter 4.11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Think about Elisha. Speak like that. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, he's saying whatever you do, do it through God. Don't, 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 don't just, man, this is a good one right here, and I'm having to hurry right, right past it. But don't just speak your opinion because your opinion is not going to change anything. It's not going to make a difference at the end of 2022. But you know what, Will? It's when you speak the words of life that God has left us and given to and put inside of us. So choose to speak the words of life. 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in, the, in, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Be an example. You want to make a difference? Be an example. Don't show people how not to do it. Show people how to do it. You know, I, I, I've always said that I've learned, I learned something from everybody. I learned how to do things from a lot of people. I learned how to not do things from a lot of people. Choose to be an example of how to. Um, Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share burdens. Don't just, man, that was bad, wasn't it? Don't just say that. Share the burden. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, let us think of ways 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us think of it. Let's sit around and think, how, how can I encourage somebody? You know what? There are some of you in this room that you have that gift, and I just wish I could just take a, take a, a good handful of it out of you and give it to somebody else. Because a lot of us, we, we, we don't think about others. You can't really share someone's burden unless you're thinking about how long has it been since you really thought about what somebody else needs? How long has it been since you came to church, a service, a, a small group, because there may be somebody there that needs me today? I mean, we got to think of ways. That's what that scripture is talking about is in 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. I mean, that's the only way to make a difference. So practical steps, wrapping up right here. How to make a difference. First of all, Back to that verse a moment ago. Look for and create opportunities. Number one, promise to pray. When somebody tells you something, don't say, man, that's bad. I can't believe that happened to you. I can't believe that happened to your family. Be a Christian. Act like you believe in God and say, I'm going to be praying. You know, for those of you who are really shy and bashful, I'm, I'm not even pushing you to stop right there and say, well, let's just pray over this. Some of you, that, that, that's your mojo. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, right? But if it's not, just promise to pray. Let somebody know. If you want to make a difference, promise to pray. Let somebody know if they got a miracle that week that it was because a, a Christian was praying for them, probably. You know, that, that person told me they, they were going to be praying, and I got a miracle. I, I don't have any time really to spend here, but I can't run past them. Promise to pray. Set a goal for invitations to church, to small groups, to whatever it is. That, uh, that you're involved in, you know, set a goal. About three years ago, I set a goal to invite 100 people to church or small groups in that year. And you say, for a pastor, that's not a problem at all. Let me tell you, I was sucking wind by about September trying to find people I had that I knew that weren't in church, you know, because I, I mean, I know a lot of people, most of them are in church somewhere else. And so I was really digging, trying to find, I got to find, you know, that's two people a week. I dare you. I, I dare you. Somebody join me this week, this, this year. Right now, make up your mind. Make up your mind and say, I'm going to join you, Pastor. I'm going to do it again. Not because I think I need to or have to, but because I want to lead. Join me. Who will make, text me later and say, Pastor, I'm going to, if you will text me later, I'll remind you and let you remind me all, I, let me know or, or write me a note or tell me after service. I'm going to join you. I'm going to invite 100 people to church or small group before the end of this year, people that aren't going to church anywhere, that aren't connected to a church. I dare you to join me there. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because everybody has something awesome to do for Jesus. That's not a, that's not a slogan. Every person listening and hearing my voice right now this is true about you you have something awesome to do for jesus increase your giving let me tell you this as long as your money is all about you you will never make a difference in this life you will never make a difference as long as anything is all about you you'll never make a difference but your money if it increase it if you're not at 10 percent, you need to at least get there and lastly rely on god and be ready to jump don't just do this in your own strength. But in those times that you're praying, ask God to open doors and ask God to help you make a difference. And then when he has, be looking for those opportunities. And when the door opens, be ready to jump. And again, listen, 
God's probably not going to call my wife, Deva, to missions in Africa, okay? That's not her thing, <laughs> okay? You know, somebody asked me one time and said, I think Deva would like to see Alabama every morning when she wakes up at least 350 times out of the year. We can travel, <laughs> you know, but, but for the most part, you know, she, she kind of, you know, there are things that you, God's not going to, he's not going to give you those kinds of opportunities. He's going to give you opportunities that fit you. Be ready to jump. Because if you get the opportunity, there is probably nobody coming along behind you to do it. He's giving you the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.